You're listening to The Common Faith Podcast. The topic is always Christianity and the things we should believe in common. Thank you so much for joining me today and spending your time listening to me. I deeply appreciate that. Today I'm going to talk about who I am. I'm always telling myself that I need to get things done quickly. I like to think that 20 minutes is optimal. I spend a lot of time watching YouTube videos, and if they get beyond 20 minutes, I generally don't click on them, even if it's something I'm really interested in. And so... I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I have a hard time getting anything done in less than 20 minutes. I just recorded another program, and when I got done, I thought maybe the program was 15 minutes long, and when I looked, it was a half hour. Oh, Lord, where did I go? I must have just got lost in this thing. So I'm going to try and get right at it because I really want to keep these programs under 20 minutes, which is funny because if it's something I really enjoy, I don't mind listening a long time. One of my favorite podcasters is a man by the name of Dan Carlin, and his show, his main show, was called Hardcore History. One of his podcasts can last as long as six hours, and I absolutely love it. Apparently, there are two extremes to me. Either I'm looking for a five or ten minute YouTube video or listen to someone expound on something for ten minutes and I just give me the information, be done. Or I'm happy to hang out for six hours and listen to someone go into something with incredible depth. I don't know what that's about. All I know is that in my heart, I'd like to keep these things under 20. So let's get cracking. There's a really interesting story in the book of Mark. And I'm going to read you a piece of it. It says, and they came again to Jerusalem. And it's talking about Jesus. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple area, the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders came to him and began saying to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do these things? That's in the 11th chapter of Mark. I was thinking to myself, you know, when I listen to people, I'm often wondering, like, what is this person's credentials? If I'm uh, listening to someone who's giving uh, nutritional advice, I spent a lot of time this past summer getting an education in nutrition. The funny thing about it, I got my education on YouTube, which always makes people laugh. You got a nutritional education on YouTube. Like, that must really be something. That's just, <laughs> I just love telling people that story because they just, they laugh at me and they look at me like I'm some kind of freak or something. But there is some amazing information on YouTube, some just incredibly talented doctors with wonderful nutritional advice that are on YouTube. But I'm always wondering, like when I find a new one and I'm listening to the video, I'm like, well, who is this guy? Does he have any credentials? Is he an actual medical doctor? I'll be listening to one guy and he's Dr. So-and-so. And then I look him up and come to find out he's a chiropractor. I'm like, well... He's a chiropractor. He cracks people's necks and stuff. That's not really somebody that I'm going to take a lot of advice from concerning nutrition. And I have been sorely wrong for my prejudice in the area because some of my favorite doctors on YouTube are people who started out as chiropractors and they became holistic doctors and they have a tremendous amount of good information about nutrition and health. 
My own prejudices oftentimes work against me, but I do wonder oftentimes, who is this person? By what authority are you making this nutritional video? And so I thought that maybe what I would do is do an episode on who I am, at least who do I think I am? I think that's reasonable. That's reasonable to ask, who is this guy who is going to be talking about common faith? Who am I to decide what is common faith or what should be a common faith among Christians? And I'm not saying that I am a person to make that decision. I'm just saying I have put myself in a position where I'm doing that by saying, oh, let's talk about this topic, whatever it is. For fun, why don't we go all the way back to the beginning? I grew up in a semi-Christian home. My father described himself as an agnostic. He was a science teacher, and so his position was, as a scientist, I can't prove that there isn't a God, but I don't see any reason to believe that there is. That's a really honest answer. I would think that people who are honestly scientifically minded, that that would kind of be their position. I mean, how can you say for certain there is no God? So you can say, I'm an atheist. I don't believe there's a God. Well, if you have a curious mind, you might wonder, well, there might be a God. Maybe there isn't a God. Well, the tools of science can't prove that God exists or can't prove that God doesn't exist. If you're a good scientist, which I believe my father was, I can see that claiming to be an agnostic would be the most logical way forward. And my mother was a believer. In fact, later in life, my mother became a minister uh, when she was in her 60s, actually. She was quite old when she was ordained. She was a congregational minister. I grew up in a congregational church, and I was confirmed as a congregationalist, the United Church of Christ. That's actually a denomination that has come from gluing four different denominations together. If I can remember my confirmation classes correctly, I think they came from the Reformed, Christian, Evangelical, and Congregational denominations, and they were all jammed together. I hope I have that right. If there's any United Church of Christ people listening, if I just ruined that, I apologize. I grew up going to church. Really, I was forced to go to church. I was required to get a Christian education. I went to Sunday school. I don't claim to have been a very good Sunday school student. I can remember making my teacher quite miserable with my questions. And I suppose you could say I was an argumentative child. I saw it as being inquisitive and being a critical thinker. I don't think many adults appreciated that. And when I became a teenager, I kind of just went off the deep end. I really, because I had no faith in God, no real faith in God, there was nothing to buoy me. And I just went off the deep end into partying and, you know, all the the trouble that teenagers can get into. And this continued into college. By some miracle, I was able to get good enough grades in high school where I got a small scholarship to go to college. And my father was very gracious. He saved money to send me away to college where instead of getting an education, I just amped up the party lifestyle to a new higher level until eventually I flunked out of college. Technically, I didn't flunk out, but it was bad to the point where I had lost my scholarships. And I guess I shouldn't say I flunked out. I flunked out on a personal level. They didn't actually get to the point where they kicked me out, but I had to leave because I wasn't a student and I wasn't learning. I was just wasting my father's money. From there, I became kind of a a wanderer and a buddy of mine who had also left the same college. He actually flunked out. They kicked him out. This happened mid-year. That tells you something. We made it to the middle of our junior years, and then he ends up getting booted, and I end up leaving. Went on an adventure and traveled across the country until we got to California. 
And the money ran out, got down to my last few hundred dollars, and I rented a room from a family to try to get my life restarted. And it turned out to be a Christian family, not just any ordinary Christian family. I would describe them as more on the uh, the Pentecostal, uh, charismatic end of things. So that was a real shock to this congregational boy. Now, keep in mind, this whole time, I viewed myself as a Christian. I said in another episode that I was a secularized Christian. So I was a Christian in name only. I didn't really have a, a faith in God. I didn't have a problem with God. I suppose if you asked me, I said, yeah, I believe in God, but I had no interest in God. I certainly didn't have a love for God. I didn't read a Bible. I didn't go to church. I did nothing that would indicate that there was any kind of faith brewing inside of me. I do remember having a conversation with the gentleman who owned this home with his wife and it got a little bit argumentative. And in this argument, I would say that I lost this argument because I was ignorant of what was in the Bible. I just, I could not talk with this man one way or another about what was in the Bible. And that bothered me because even though I had not completed college, I saw myself as a smart guy and this guy happened to be a truck driver. And I suppose there was a certain level of intellectual pride that had acquired from going to the school that I had gone to. I probably thought much higher of myself than I should have. And so here I am trying to have this conversation about spiritual things with this truck driver and I've got nothing because I don't know the Bible. Being me, I said, well, this is a simple fix. I just need to read a Bible. And then when I get into these situations with these, and I, I called them born agains, that was a pejorative, by the way, that wasn't a compliment. So those born agains, and when I get a conversation with one of these born agains and they pull their Bible out to beat me over the head with it, at least I got, you know, I can fight back. I got gloves I can strap on. So I started reading the Bible and to make it sure, it was a blessed experience. God blessed my reading of that Bible. I started at page one in Genesis, read through the Torah, through the law, and man, is it arduous. It is tough. I don't know how I did that as a non-believer, but God blessed it, and I read through it, and I got tons of stuff out of it. And to, as a joke, to make the short story long, by the time I got halfway through the Old Testament, I was deeply convicted that the Jews were God's people, his chosen people. And so in my heart, I basically converted to Judaism. I was ready to go down to the nearest synagogue and figure out what do I got to do to sign up? Is there classes I got to take? I went through confirmation in the congregational church. Is there such a thing as a bar mitzvah for somebody in their 20s? I had given my heart to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I was praying these prayers about obeying his law and being faithful and give me a heart after David and all these sorts of things. So I really do consider myself to have been Jewish first. That was my original conversion. I was a Jew. But I kept reading. And of course, the people I were living with, these born agains, these people are like, hang in there, brother. Keep reading. Keep going. Don't stop. Because I was telling them, I need to become Jewish. I got to go see a rabbi or something. I got to figure this thing out. So I did keep reading, and I had just read all the messianic prophecies that are laced throughout the prophets. And when I got to the New Testament and I read the book of Matthew, I mean, it didn't take much of Matthew. Maybe about halfway through Matthew, I realized that, and I absolutely knew in my heart, that Jesus is the Messiah. And so I don't know what you would say happened then, because I really, I don't say this as a joke or light, like I really was Jewish first. 
And so a Jew who comes to believe that Jesus is their Messiah, I mean, I know these people, they don't necessarily call themselves Christians. They're still Jews. Some use the term completed Jew. Some people say messianic Jew, but they're Jews who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They're no different than other Jews other than that one major feature that they believe they're not looking for Messiah to come. They believe he has already come. And so that was me. I believed that Jesus, the Messiah, had already come. And then that changed my whole faith dynamic. And I gave my life and my heart to him. So I guess I became a Christian. If people ask me, I'll tell them that I'm a Christian. But I don't really know how accurate that is. Is that term Christian even a thing? One of the things we're going to talk about in one of these episodes, what is a Christian? Aren't we just a different kind of Jew? All the early believers were Jews. They called them the sect of the Nazarenes. They had different denominations within Judaism, Sadducees, Essenes, the Pharisees. And so the Nazarenes were just another sect. Now, in the minds of these other guys, they were heretics, but it was just another denomination of Jewish believer. And then when things began to spread out and Gentiles began to come in to faith in Messiah, then this other thing began to happen, and then this term Christian happened, and they started to adopt that as a name, a descriptor, Christian. I like it when people, they describe that as Christ followers. A Christian is a Christ follower. I love that. I think that's such a great description. So I guess I'm a Christian, a Jew that came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, so therefore I'm a Christian. But why mince words over a definition? I will tell you that I don't have any formal education in religion. I have taken classes in religion, but it's not like I have a master's or a doctor's in a divinity. I don't. I spent most of my life as a construction worker. And then later in life, I earned a bachelor's degree in business administration with a concentration in information systems and a minor in mathematics. And oddly enough, I became a math teacher. So I've been teaching math for eight, nine years now. And uh, since then, I've gone on to get a master's degree in mathematics education. So I actually have a degree in the thing that I teach, which is convenient. I mean, generally, you want to make sure that if someone's teaching your kid mathematics, that they have some kind of paper that proves that they actually know their math and know something about how to teach it. So in terms of degrees, nothing that I've earned has anything to do with religion especially the Christian religion. And as I said, I've had very little formal training. I have taken classes at various churches over the years, and I have spent a lifetime studying the Bible. Since my early 20s, I have been in the scriptures, and that's where I've gained most of my understanding is just sitting at the master's feet and studying his book. Now, I will tell you that I have been in pastoral ministry for 25 years now. In the mid-90s, I was part of starting a church. I am actually an ordained minister. I didn't get ordained because of my education. My mother, she went away to college. She went to divinity school, and she graduated. She got her degree, and then she was ordained, and then she got a pastorate, and she pastored. That's not how it worked for me. I started a church with some other people, and because of my years of service, I was originally licensed as a minister, and then eventually I was ordained 
is a minister. Don't ask me to explain the difference between, you can just think of it as like a second and first lieutenant, I guess. I am an ordained minister, but not because of my education. It was based on my service, my years of service. And so I've been in pastoral ministry for about 25 years. We started a small church. It's still a small church. In the age of the running churches like their businesses, I suppose that our church has not been very successful, but I don't see it that way. I don't believe God sees it that way. It's the best church I've ever been in. I have grown so much, and the other people that I fellowship with, they've grown so much. God has just so blessed us. We should not despise small things. In our American culture, you know, it's bigger is better. Because I've been in many churches over the years. I found that sometimes smaller is better. So let's get back to the question we started with. By what authority do I do these things? The same thing they asked Jesus. Well, by what authority do you do these things? That's a wonderful story. You need to go to Mark 11 and read that. By the way, he never did answer the question. I am going to answer the question. So by what authority do I do these things? Well, I believe God has called me to talk about common faith. It's been on my heart since late winter. At the moment of this recording, it's November of 2020, and this has been on my heart since last March when the COVID really began to hit. Things got shut down, and I've been sitting on this, waiting for God to move and say, yeah, go, do this. So it's been something that I've put a lot of prayer and thought into, and as a teacher, my school just got shut down just recently again. As we started the year in what was called the hybrid mode, where students were coming off and on, I was in the building every day, but the students weren't always in the building, where we rotated groups, call that hybrid. And now we're all remote. It's shut down, and basically I'm broadcasting my class from my studio in my basement. So I just really felt like God was like, now is the time. Now is the time that you need to start this. And so I do. I believe God has called me to talk about common faith or things that should be common faith, things that we should have in common. And if you haven't heard that broadcast, the episode on common faith, I recommend that you go listen to that. and You'll understand what I'm talking about, common faith. Well, I hope you will continue to listen because that's what I want to do. I want to talk about common faith and I hope you will join me. Thank you for listening. 